This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, fight fans, to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and I'm joined by my good pal from over in the USA, Lukey from ITR Boxing. We're going to do a different episode. We're excited to do this because this is like Lukey. This is your speciality. You love doing this type of conversation. We're going to call it Shoot the Breeze. Like It's a very well-known American expression about having a casual conversation or some incessant ramblings about the sport of boxing. And I absolutely love these types of conversations because they can go off on so many different tangents. And it's basically like going to the pub. Uh, in the UK, you call it a pub, or in the USA, you call it a bar, or whatever you want to call it. You like you go and have a drink with your mates, and you talk about football, soccer. You talk about maybe baseball in America, basketball. Here in the UK, it's always usually football and boxing. And you know, if you're really interested in other sports, and maybe you've got your cricket and your snooker and your your other stuff. But for us, it's just all about this sport that we love so much, which is boxing. And you know, there's been some very Strange incidents going on over the past few weeks from Tyson Fury getting rattled by a a YouTuber in an interview to the fact that his brother Tommy Fury can't make weight for a fight and then ends up fighting someone that was actually better than his original opponent and beating him and then his dad gets in the ring and strips off and tries to call out Jake Paul which I thought was quite a bit of a charade to be honest with you but Lukey like Let's maybe start it from there then, like, because it's just happened recently. Tommy Fury is becoming a little bit of a joke in profession, and I'm not afraid to say that because it is what it is. He's becoming a joke. He's supposed to be a professional boxer, and 
you know, he's saying he's made weight for an agreed contract, but I don't understand how two fighters can have two different contracts, which stipulates different weights in them. So he doesn't end up fighting Paul Bamber, and he actually ends up fighting a better opponent. He wins. It looks pretty average. And then we have all the palaver with his dad, just always hogging the limelight all the time, like he does with Tyson, just always having something to say and having to go at Jake Paul. Like, what? what's this all about? It was awkward. And, and you know, about Tommy Fury that I see is, is the antics. Because I don't see him much different than any club level professional. I think it's the last, I think it's the, and the theatrics of the people around him that, draw people in but the thing with him is like it's like he's living kind of vicariously through tyson isn't it like tyson's got all this success in the world you know he's 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 essentially in my eyes because of his charisma when he's on point he's cracked america in some respects because like it takes a certain type of character to win over the American audiences. And like many Brits have gone over there and done it before. And there's not many of them that have been able to successfully get the attention of the American audiences that maybe will casually tune into the sport and see these UK based fighters, you know, ripping it up on the telly and, and ripping it up in the ring. And Tyson Fury is one of them, but, his younger brother Tommy, like, there's this conversation about him fighting Jake Paul for well over twelve months, and all the the shit that's come with it, it's uh, it's just been it's just been pretty horrendous. Like, it's made him look like a bit of a disgrace to British boxing in my eyes, because at the end of the day, he's not fought anybody yet. He's talking about fighting a guy who seemingly looks like he's taking this turn to professional quite seriously, and I'm actually. If these two guys actually get it on, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Paul actually knocked Tommy Fury out. And Tommy Fury is the guy that's come from the travelling family, the the gypsy family, as they call it, the travellers who fight and sort the differences out by fighting. But yet, he doesn't look like he's very established. He doesn't look very solid. And it wouldn't surprise me if he got in the room with Jake Paul and Jake Paul knocked him out. I mean, I don't think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when, if the fight was scheduled and sanctioned and the, they made weight. I think that it would just be simply a technical um, decision in terms of what round Paul would win. Would he win by decision or knockout? So I don't see Tommy Fury being able to compete with Jake Paul, nor do I see Andrew Tate. I, I mean, I, what, what is Andrew Tate all about? Like, please enlighten me about Andrew Tate. I see so much about him on social media. Like, forgive me for being maybe a little bit ignorant to it here, but I, I don't understand the, the hype surrounding this guy as well. So Andrew Tate is probably like, I don't know, like you'd probably be like a huge Brexit supporter. He's kind of a, like, I'm going to get on the internet and say like men aren't being manly enough anymore and you need to be tougher and, a lot of social media platforms where he got famous was like he was just saying like kind of I guess it would be labeled misogynistic views and being unapologetic for it. Like, no, I'm just a real man and these things are censoring me. And as he went more and more controversial, he's a kickboxer. Then he got more and more attention, which I think prompted him to be more and more ridiculous, which kind of put him in the world of Jake Paul, where Jake Paul, it seems like his art form is say something negative or shocking and then work his way back. But now you know who I am. So say something completely 
crazy and ludicrous or offensive and then how can I get my redemption and people will like me the attention comes first and that's kind of Andrew Tate he's done it with kind of these right-wing philosophies in America as kind of like I'm a man people are just soft and kind of saying just things that I think some people just want to hear a guy saying and he's unapologetic in those beliefs that being said watching film on him He's not some elite boxer. So, I mean, it's just going to be a famous person who talks a good game, who has a large following of people that want to see him do stuff, more than likely get knocked out by Jake Paul. I just don't understand how people can get this sort of a level of a platform now in this day and age uh, by saying some extreme stuff for likes and retweets and follows and all of a sudden it puts you in a position where you're being spoken about as a potential opponent for another guy who does a very similar thing you know with all due respect to Jake Paul at least he's built his own demographic through his own YouTube channel doing the stuff he used to do before he transitioned over into boxing and making appearances at WWE events with his brother who I might add his brother, Logan Paul, actually, he's ripping it up in WWE. Uh, he's one guy out of the two brothers I'll give absolute 100% credit for because the guy's had, what, three matches uh, in, in WWE. And yes, I know it's staged, I know it's choreographed, but I've been a fan of the sport, or sports entertainment, as they want to call it, for most of my life. And I've always enjoyed the theatrics of it. And I think Logan Paul sits in there really, really well. Whereas, like, Jake Paul's slightly different. You know, he's just kind of asking for forgiveness, saying things uh, without asking for permission and just asking for forgiveness later on down the line. But he's making himself very relevant. But it just surprises me about how many people are able to do this and put themselves in that platform. You know, another person that's put themselves in a, in a similar position, if not a better position... Ebony Bridges, a relatively unknown female boxer from Australia with a physique and the obvious pair of breasts that she has that makes people stand up, especially men, stand up and go, oh, wow, I might have a look at this particular... This girl built up a following on social media through selling sex on social media, not literally selling sex, but the sex appeal on social media. She basically put herself out there on a pedestal by using her physicality and physical appearance to get herself into a world title shot and become a world champion now that's that's kind of like the worst thing for me in boxing like it's one of the worst things that's happened recently is seeing that transpire and and her coming on and getting this huge following out of nowhere just through posting bikini pictures and going to the weighing in sort of raunchy gear and and I don't consider her to be that great of a fighter personally, but yet she's put herself in this position where she is actually a world champion and, you know, people seem to embrace it. And I don't, I don't personally don't understand it. Well, I'll defend Ebony Bridges at least a bit. And people go, oh my God, it's probably because you're attracted to her. And it's like, no, I'm actually in a relationship, guys. And like, I don't really defend people if I don't know them. Is at least she figured out some way to be relevant because there's so many boxers nowadays that don't do anything. I applaud the fact that she actually travels to fights, interacts with fans, does interviews with random outlets. Like for her to get to where she's at, there is this level of selling sex and she's friggin' hot and all that stuff. 
But there was a level of intelligence of, okay, I'm going to basically just go on every platform, no matter how big or small. And eventually that's going to create a following. And it did. And it's like, I don't see other fighters doing that, even if they're hot or even if they're talented. So I applaud that because at least she did that. I think the issue is, and I think this is what you're speaking to, is talent in boxing becoming a secondary trait? To be on television, is, is talent not necessarily required? Is it just that you're fascinating? That is exactly what I'm getting at, Lukey. Exactly what I'm getting at. Like, I don't have a problem personally with Ebony Bridges at all. Like, I just, I suppose I'm just not always keen on, on, on some roots within the sport that are facilitated to be able to get to a certain level when I always feel like there are other people that are just as deserving that maybe are not given this platform. But the one thing you have pointed out about her in particular that I would agree on is that, yeah, she's gone out there, she's interviewed with every small, large, medium YouTube channel that's possible, podcasts, whatever. She's pushing herself out there. She's putting the pictures out there. People are following it. And she's been very business intuitive about it all. And I think that's where the credit would be given from my side is that, you know, the expression in the UK would be if you throw enough shit at the wall, something will stick. And that's exactly what, what she's done. She's threw enough shit at the wall and something's stuck. And she's been consistent with it. And she does go to a lot of the fights. She was at the fights this weekend, just gone. The Ricky Ricky Hatton exhibition fight. She was there doing pictures with fans and stuff. So I've got to applaud her for that because, like you say, there are boxers out there that are probably miles more talented than herself but are just not willing to go that extra mile and put themselves out on a pedestal to get themselves where they need to be because we're talking about a conversation mentioning people that are in a generation where they've got to literally do anything as controversial as possible to be noticed by people. And lo and behold, that's how these people, these individuals, regardless of the talent levels, are getting themselves on TV, on pay-per-views, and people are actually buying into it. I think also, like, she knows what she's doing. She probably didn't just go there and wear her gym outfit. She probably had an awesome outfit that made her look like a pro wrestler. And she's there, and she looks like someone that's going to grab people's attention. And I think that's another thing that a lot of fighters don't do. A lot of fighters look really ordinary going to fights. And it's like, if you want to be a star, you've got to somewhat conduct yourself like a star. I had a coach once that told me, if, you, if you're a world champion, you tie your shoes like a world champion. And I, I just appreciate with her, like, what was, wasn't she a school teacher, like a math teacher? Yep. It's like, it seems like she put some forth of a work ethic that she took to school and brought that into boxing while a lot of other people... We're just waiting around, waiting for opportunities. She kind of created an opportunity. People can like or dislike how she created it, but at least she figured out a way to do it. But it's like the whole boxing media thing, isn't it? Like coming on to maybe that conversation is very relevant. Like, you know, I've only been doing this maybe five years, coming on to six years now in total. And even in that short space of time that I've been around and I've been going to shows, doing interviews face-to-face, going to gyms, doing interviews face-to-face, doing the podcast. In that short space of time, I've seen literally hundreds of accounts that pop up on social media uh, with whatever quirky what name they want to put themselves as. And, you know, they sort of say, right, I'm 
now the latest new boxing outlet and you know we're going to report on x y and z and a lot of the times it's basically they'll plagiarize what everyone else puts out there whether it be a tweet in a similar format a facebook post in a similar format to someone who's doing successfully well and and basically trying to ride the coattails of someone that's already very well established and you know there's there's very few boxing media outlets that I personally have, have respect for these days. You know, there, there are ones that go out there and absolutely graft their arses off and absolutely deserve the mantelpiece and, and everything that comes with being a part of boxing media. But then there's those that literally do ride the coattails of people that are, are quite successful and are somehow able to worm their way into a position where you think to yourself, how the hell... How the hell have they made it this far? Like, how the hell have they been able to sort of squeeze their way into an oversaturated market? And and it is difficult. And it might sound very contradicting of me to say it because that's the that's the thing I did five six years ago when I set ESBR boxing, eat sleep boxing, repeat boxing up. But I just did it out of pure love for the sport, pure love of wanting to be around those fighters and be back in a gym again and and seeing how everything works behind the scenes. I feel a lot of it now is just all about chasing the fame and the glory of what can come with it. I mean, there's young lads that have been doing this, maybe. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline maybe one year two years and they're going over to Dubai they're interviewing the the biggest fighters in the world I think one thing I've I've taken away from the transition in boxing media is that it does appear to be a, a young man's game these days I mean it, it's all like it's going to be up and down right because it's a favoritism game so it's like these boxers that are like what Ebony Bridges, in my opinion, did was she tried to align herself with media platforms and personalities that she thought would either be powerful in that moment or powerful in the future. She was brokering power and she found a path that got her in a position to get big fights and fair play to her. Boxing media goes up and down. It's obvious this week there's going to be no monetization value unless people like who you are as a person. Why is that, Uncle Lukey? Because Jaime Mungivia versus a random person is not going to just draw in people. 
waiting to see that result. It's going to be more people looking at an Instagram account, seeing the result probably in a 10 second video than there will be reading an article, previewing or recapping. So I think that though I get what you're saying about the young people, I think it always goes to how you consume things. I don't use TikTok. I don't really even use a lot of social media outside of a Twitter account. So it's like I'm going to see age appropriate stuff for what I'm drawn to. And I think that goes for the young people and that there's always going to be niches. I think it just comes down to who the promoters allow to get the access, um, the best content, the best stories that gives a slight edge. But that again goes back to what I was saying earlier on about Tyson Fury and he got rattled by that YouTuber, uh, True Geordie. And, you know, he, he put a line of questioning about the Chisora fight to Tyson Fury that, you know, everybody wants to hear a boxing journalist do, like the legit boxing journalists that are getting paid full time for doing this. You know, you're expecting them to be asking them types of questions, not a guy who is very sort of widespread in what he does on, on YouTube. And, you know, he's asking the questions of what we're all thinking or saying on our podcast about this particular fight. And yeah, he, he clearly pissed Tyson Fury off because it was uh, very obvious that he wasn't happy with being questioned and how he felt uh, Derek Chisora's integrity was being questioned and his integrity. It just made me wonder, and I had this conversation with Johnston on one of the podcasts a couple of weeks ago, and I'm interested to hear your take on it. Tyson Fury getting rattled because a YouTuber puts a line of questioning in that essentially doesn't play up to the promotion of the fight and actually you know, is is more derogatory towards the fight, but he's actually what everybody's thinking at the moment. I mean, the issue is boxing media. Well, boxing's not unlike, there was a movie called Syria, I think was the name of the movie. And it was basically the concept, I don't know if this is true or not, but this was my takeaway, was government officials and the oil company were one in the same. So you'd see oil company people and then you'd see politicians. And at a certain point, you couldn't figure out who was who. And I think that nowadays I look at a lot of high-ranking boxing media members and I go, oh, well, he's so-and-so promoter's guy. And that's the world we live in. So reporters, certain reporters get the great access and that they have friendships with these fighters, which that's awesome. I have friendships with fighters, but they don't. I think that you could even phrase those questions to Tyson Fury and not get him mad. I think you just have to really think about because I've been told you can say anything to anyone and they won't get mad at you. It's how you say it. I think that Fury got mad at the way that those questions were asked. And I think that a lot of times boxing reporters would rather just secure the money that they've got coming in rather than try to get the interesting content that the fans want, which is unfortunate. But then doesn't that just take away the whole point of supposedly being a boxing journalist? Like, how can you say you're a boxing journalist if you're not actually doing any form of journalism? Like, to me, that's not that's not the hard-hitting stuff that, you know, people want to hear or, or want to, you know, speak about. Like, I've always prided myself on on, on asking questions, like you say, in a, in a way which kind of gets to the point and gets to the answers that you want to hear from, you know, like... Why did that fight not go the way you wanted it to go? Was did you did you slack in training? Like not maybe in them words particularly, but I mean you know when you're trying to get to them levels of of detail and points and, and you're trying to get answers, you want you want answers. You don't want constant pivots. Boxing at the at the moment feels a lot like UK politics. Like every single 
member of parliament, you know, they get questioned on something and then they, they, they pivot. They pivot away. They divert the attention away from the question that's being asked. It's a, it's a very clever if you don't know what they're doing because you know it's the same with boxing promoters. They do exactly the same thing. They could be very good politicians themselves. You know, someone will ask a certain question and they'll try to divert the answer or pivot away from the an- actual answer by bringing in something else that's maybe similarly related to it or not related, but still related to the sport in general, which actually gives the reporter something to go away with. So it's very interested, like, how they do do it. But to me, it's not it's not sort of the premise of, of journalism. I thought, you know, my understanding of that was to get to the point, to get to the stories that people really want to hear, rather than just sort of cozying up to certain individuals for the sake of being allowed to go to certain shows or being allowed to have access to certain fires i mean you know you get the say you get the old school guys in in the sport that have been writing or they've been on telly for many many years in the uk and the us and you know their their biggest pet hate is usually guys like us you know guys that have seemingly kind of come from the depths of of not completely nowhere but you know in their eyes it's kind of nowhere and and then all of a sudden you get 12 to 15 different journalists or boxing journalists asking, you know, very, very similar questions. It really pisses guys like that off because they, what they want is they think they, they want to be able to get to the, to the answers by doing it in a sort of true and and, an old school way of asking questions. So, you know, it is really, really interesting and intriguing that there is many different points of view on, on this matter. Well, I'm always interested to hear from you because obviously I know how much you do in the US and, and what you do for local fighters and what you're trying to achieve yourself. So it always intrigues me about what your opinion is on stuff like that because you're heavily involved in it yourself. I mean, I don't really. That's probably why I'm more focused on the fighters. I just don't care. Like, I don't follow boxing media the way I used to. I follow the fights, I follow releases, but like boxing isn't like my pleasure or any, like I have other things outside of boxing. I don't consume any boxing content outside of the promoter's stuff or something that's interesting. I strictly just look at the fights. I consume it through my friends' conversations and that's it because I just find most of it uninteresting. Is that just because of the state of it at the moment or is that the general consensus of other things that you have going on, like other sports that you enjoy? I think it's the state because it's like what... So if I'm to give 20 minutes of my day to something and nothing's going to be meaningful, why don't I just read a press release that takes me one or two minutes and I can just scan the quotes? Like what's the point of me doing that? If I were to go to an event it's like, okay, maybe I'll go to the press conference. Maybe I'll go to a media workout, but I'd really, it's hard for me to want to go to both unless I have a relationship knowing people involved in the promotion, because is the monetization going to be that much different from the press conference to the media workout? Is there going to be any interesting things that happen? Probably not. So it's just like, for me, I'm someone that picks and chooses what I go to just because I feel like I have the experience where now I'm allowed to do that stuff. But it's different as well because, like, you've got a certain passion for wanting to help people, which is why you've done the books. Like, you've done the books for the reasons you've laid out in 
the episode we did a few weeks back when we we introduced our listener base to it and we was talking about like the premise of of why you're writing the book so there's obviously like a passion and, and and a fire inside of you as an individual to want to try and make some sort of change within the sport even if it's only a small change it's still a change nevertheless so you know initially it sounds like maybe you know at times you might just be quite casual about things but then obviously behind the scenes I don't think you're doing yourself justice when you say that because I think you do a lot for young individuals I'll I'll explain so like I like seeing the young fighters come up I like seeing the amateurs but the big pro shows are some of the most uninteresting things to me in the sport so what most people are drawn to in boxing I'm not waking up to go to boxing scene to see what the news is because I understand if someone wants to get a fight, they can call their manager, their manager can call a reporter and they can just give an unsubstantiated rumor and that can turn into a story on a big website. So that's not fascinating to me. Like what's fascinating is looking at rankings and seeing where the mandates might fit in. So that's just, that's the way I consume it. And I try to best give that to the consumer and i know it's going to be a niche audience because the way the world is going is more stupidity social media breeds stupidity negative negativity bigotry racism these are things that go up on social media these are things it's not a coincidence these type of personalities are the ones that are getting the most attention so when i'm putting forth content based on facts and information There's always going to be a following for that, but it's never going to rise to the top quickly because it's not saying something sensational that people want to share. It's not clickbaiting. That's what you mean. It's not clickbaiting enough. It's not IFL TV. Every every video is raw, entitled raw beef, uh, when in reality it's nothing more than a pork sausage that's going on between that meeting between two fighters. Uh, It is quite funny how, how... the sensationalizism I can't get the words out the sensationalism of I think you know what I'm trying to say there the way it's being sensationalized in general is is amazing to sort of see how many people try to sort of follow suit with that like in terms of consumption of of boxing I'm very similar to you and and I know Johnston is certainly the same and I know many people of a similar age and I think to be honest with you it might be it might be in part to a, a an age thing as well with us being all very similar aged and and being at a point where you know we've lived through certain times of this sport and to see the state the sport is in at times now I think can at times be quite demoralizing especially uh, you know not just as a fan but as someone who, who has a podcast who's who's trying to you know bring a, a niche level of entertainment and content to people it can be quite difficult at times to be able to want to produce the information because you don't feel like you say you you know you don't spend all of your time on social media I don't either which is why you know I'm not constantly retweeting from the podcast accounts all the time unless it's absolutely relevant to the audience that we've got. Like, I won't just randomly tweet random fight announcements or rumours about fights because I don't see any value in doing that as as someone who's broadcasting a show because by the time you know that goes out, there's probably been about 40 to 60 different accounts 
that I've got boxing related content on it that'll have already done it so it feels just a bit like sometimes that sort of stuff can be in vain so like yourself like we try just to focus on the niche side of it the actual enjoyable parts of the sport so I don't know whether it is an age thing personally like I know people of a similar age that are boxing fans that that feel very similar to our thoughts and feelings on on the way we consume it, the way the sport is, our opinions on it. So I don't know whether it is just because we've lived through certain moments in time and don't necessarily cling on to the nostalgia of it, but we know how things have been so much better than what they are and it can be a sort of an automated thing for us just to tune out of certain elements of this sport. Yeah, I mean, it just is what it is, you know. I don't even go to IG, so, you know. I'm not the best one to give, like, media context because it's like I don't really follow anything like that. Well, that is pretty much it for me. I've got nothing else for this shooting the breeze unless, Luke, unless you've got something that you really, really want to discuss. I hope you have. But if you haven't, that's pretty much it. Uh, Not today. I mean, I just wish these fighters would fight better opponents. Like, I hope Regis and Zapata fights. I have a strong suspicion that... That could get weird because that's being put on pay-per-view by an independent party. It's just boxing. If boxing is going to be relevant for these next couple of years, we have to put on better fights because these fights just are not good. Do you think, like when you say the fights are not good, is the, is the, what's the problem? Like, is the problem there's too many padded records out there? There's too many prospect versus journeyman fights going on. And are you saying that you basically want more competitive fights across the cards because there's not many promoters that do it is there like you'll get one or two fights on a card and they'll be very evenly matched but then say out of nine fights only two of them are evenly matched the other seven are essentially just prospect versus journeyman i mean is that what you're getting at you want to see more evenly matched cards i want to see world title fights mean something so i like to see someone win a fight to get into a world title fight I don't want a guy that's got lost a fight, came back, won a fight. Now he's fighting a guy who's the promotions fighter winning the belt. Okay, that's fine, but give us a somewhat attractive fight. We're having fighters who are top 10 fighters. Like you mentioned Tyson Fury. Not one of his fights were interesting this year. Like, God bless your soul if you thought Dillian White had a chance with him. Dillian White has a harder fight ahead of him with German Franklin, who might actually beat him than he had ever a chance of beating Tyson Fury. And it's like, that's this is hurting the sport. Terrence Crawford's not really in a fight that people care about. Errol Spence will more than likely not be in a fight that people care about. In a way, is fighting a guy we all assume is gonna he's going to knock out and become undisputed. Uh, we go down the list. Usyk's not currently in a fight. We need the people that are the best fighters to really fight the best and consistently, or else the sport becomes stagnant. It's always been an age-old problem, though, that, for, for quite some time. Because, I mean, like... I mean, obviously, we do history stuff. Like, me and Johnson do the history stuff, don't we? Like, with the pods. And a lot of the time, when we do our research and we put the stories together, what we find is, like, a lot of these guys from yesteryear were hard as nails. They'd fight anybody and everybody sometimes more than five six times sometimes even like 10 20 times because they weren't afraid of losing they weren't afraid 
of getting in the ring with these guys, if even if they lost every single time. I mean, Jake LaMotta, for example, Sugar Ray Robinson, Jake LaMotta. I mean, how many times did Jake LaMotta lose to Sugar Ray Robinson? But he still weren't afraid to get in the ring with him, knowing that potentially he's going to get a shellacking in the ring. Like, not, there's none of this mentality anymore in the sport of fighters, you know, just saying, you know what, I don't care about my record. I just want to fight the best guys and... I'll take on the people that nobody wants to fight. I'll take on the avoided fighters. There's not that mindset anymore from from anyone. I mean, Tyson Fury says he wants to fight everybody, but then he's fighting Derry Chisora. And it's like, if you want to be the greatest fighter of all time in your weight class, go and fight the best fighters that are around. Push for it. You know, don't just fight a top 20 guy who's ranked number 19 in the top 20. Fight the best guys that are out there. Don't use excuses. Don't point fingers. Just get the fight on. What's the point of being in the sport if you're just going to coast your way through fighting guys that essentially are not always fit to lace your boots? It just doesn't make sense to me because of all the history that we've done on the sport. Like, a lot of these guys just didn't care. They, they would take the fights, they would earn the money, they'd earn the respect from each other, I and mean, then they'd go and do it again two weeks later or something. Like There's none of this now. Like, it's completely died a death, that level of mentality. There's not many that will do it. There's probably a few out there, but there's certainly not many, given how many boxers there are in the sport. I mean, I think the other issue is exclusive network contracts have hurt the sport. You know, exclusive with networks with promoters. Networks not not buying the best fights anymore they're buying fights with the certain promoters but it's a different topic for a different day absolutely different topic for a different day well that wraps up this little one-off episode it may become more of a regular thing maybe you'll do it with me lukey and johnston will do some as well it'll be really interesting to uh, shoot the beat breeze with johnston and a casual conversation like this just about random parts of the sport it's been enjoyable i hope everybody listening i hope it hasn't been too much of an incessant rambling and i hope you've enjoyed just two guys just having a conversation about this sport and if you've enjoyed that let us know on social media at btr boxing pod on twitter on facebook on instagram youtube and tiktok as well get all the audio content on there if you want to listen to any of the clips that we put out there as well it's been a pleasure as always delivering this content to you guys listening thank you to luke thank you to everybody listening and we will see you next time for another episode Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.